Oh boy. We've been away a while. It's Foxes Have Holes, and we have been away a while. I don't even have my co-host next to me right now. My co-host, he's he's on the phone. I'm cozy, cozy in my bed. <laughs> I could get used to this. This is not bad. I, you know, we we could do well just because of the way life's going for us, man. It's like <laughs> I mean, uh, Exhibit A. How long has it been since our last podcast? It's been two months, I think, at least. I think yeah. I'm, and we were saying, yeah, man, we're back on track every other week, and two months went by. Well, I, you and I both, are, both of our families had bouts with COVID. Yep. We went toe-to-toe. Yeah. And it did not stand a chance. That's right. We beat it down. <laughs> all, yeah, um, all of my kids you know, got it. All of your kids got it. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a couple, pretty miserable weeks because, unfortunately for us, we didn't all get it at the same time. It was stacked kind of back to back, and so I started, and once I was kind of tailing off, then one of our kids, I can't remember exactly who it was, they started to get it. Yeah. And then once they were kind of past it, Becky got it. So it was just, you know, a, a, a terrible, terrible train of, of COVID just like cycling through the station. Exactly. It was awful. It's horrible. And and then my family, so we had some in-laws come up for, my in-laws came up for um, my daughter's dance recital. It's her first one. She's like four, you know, doing her first little dance recital. And uh, they're, they were staying for, they're, they're only going to stay for like a week and a half or something. And then Sunday, the day after the recital, uh, my father-in-law had a temperature and a sore throat. My my dad had a temperature and a sore throat because we were all together having dinner and stuff. And then then my then I started, my wife and my kids, and it was like, oh, just like you said, it was like a snowball effect. And we all had COVID mm. and we had to quarantine for 10 days. And dude, and then... There's, there, I don't. There's that was just the that was just the beginning of the storm of life that happened to where it prevented us from recording for these last two months. Yeah, no, absolutely. What what else do you got going on? Uh, <laughs> I let me see. I switched jobs, so I had a job um, working on an ambulance, and then I got I finally an, a paramedic spot opened, and I slid into that. And then, okay, I don't. There's got to be more, but the isn't isn't changing jobs like like the the fifth most stressful life yeah. event well, that yeah. can happen to you? Well, yeah, because it's like because I was I was I was waiting for this medic spot to open. I've been a medic for over eight years, almost nine, and there just wasn't a medic spot. So I was working as an EMT for a little bit, and then sliding into the medic spot, there's like just a schedule shift and a change and an adjustment because I wasn't working my normal hours anymore. And now we had to deal with that, that schedule shift. And then, and then my son started to play football and proud Papa. That's right. I was so happy because I, I love football and Brian loves football and I played football for eight years and then I was going to just do a little bit of help, help. And now I was like, yeah, I'll be an assistant coach. 
and just help out when I can, right? That's That was my whole thing. I just help him out, be there on the field with my son, give him some pointers. Um, and then That's how I, they get you. They do. That's how they get you. I guess, I guess, but I was like, no, there's a head coach. Like, all the, like, the board of the league was like, we have a head coach for you. It's fine. Just We just need help because there's 32 kids on this team. And so I was like, yeah, I'll definitely help out. And so I show up to the first day of practice, uh, and I texted the head coach the night before and I was like, Hey coach, this is, I'm Jordan. You know, I'm, I'm here to help out. Is there anything you need me to do tomorrow? You need me to bring anything? He's like, no, man, we're all good. I was like, okay, cool. So I show up and he's talking to the, the league president and, and the vice president. And, uh, I introduced myself. He's like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm coach and you know, I'm not going to say his name, but I'm, I'm the coach of the AU and, and, uh, yeah, and I was like, okay, cool, man. I was like, well, um, I'm I'm Jordan. I'm going to help you, assistant coach. He's like, oh, well, I bought a house um, away from here, so I'm actually moving. I'm not going to be able to head a coach. And I'm like, okay. I was like, so, and I, knew, and I knew there was two other returning assistant coaches that were coming to the team. I was like, oh, so one of the other assistants will be there. And the vice president, the president are kind of looking at me. I'm like, what? And I'm like, well... They don't really show up like like on time or all the time. They're they're kind of intermittent. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like what do Beautiful. You mean? He's like, what do you mean intermittent? They're like, yeah, dude, it's they might not even be here today. I'm like, well, so what are you saying? It's just me? They're like, Yeah, man, you can you head coach? I'm like, uh, and so I just had this deer in the headlights, like, I mean, I guess like there's, I mean, there's kids back. I'm like, Dude, I'm what gonna, if you said no? What, if, what, what would have happened if you said no? Nobody would head coach the team. There would be no head coach. And it would be a, a like, I, it would, it would have been like, I would, I would have personally felt that I let down 32 children. I think, I think you're, you're crippling them, man. Just let them, let them figure it out on their own. <laughs> What? Dude, let me. I had no idea. Now that I know football by democracy, man. Dude, now these that, kids just gonna pick pick what position they want. Oh my gosh! What plays they're gonna run? No, dude, now, they could do it. Now that I know the full extent of what I've gotten myself into, I wish I would have said no. But it's four days a week, right? It's four days. So yeah, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, six to eight thirty. But then when school starts up again, it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Saturday, and then Saturday games. So, and like I don't get me wrong. Now that I'm in it, I love it. It's fun. I'm I'm learning a lot about the game of football and uh, um, learning a lot about herding cats. So. <laughs> I'm, I- <laughs> Well, <laughs> like if I like if somebody said, "Hey, I need someone to herd these cats," I would be a pro at it. Yeah, you're good at it now. Yeah, but I have no dude. I had no idea how much went into head coaching. It's it is so it can be so stressful, especially because we have parents that are really into the game of football and they really want to have a good season. And so, oh man, you have to treat this like a program, like a legit program. Like I'm doing practice schedules for every and I'm sending it to my coaches the night before or the morning of and I'm saying hey these are the drills we're doing uh, this is the you know I'm writing out the schedule for each practice and I'm and I put together coach books for each of my coaches with drills and plays uh, 
like I send my coaches videos like, Hey, we need to work on this. It's like, it's like a full-time job, man. It's, I was like, this is intense. Like, and I love it because I'm learning so much and I like learning. And so, uh, it, that's one thing that I really love about it. And I love coaching the kids. The kids are great. Uh, I love to see them succeed and, uh, learn a new So skill. how's the season shaping up? How, how's it, how's it looking? You're, you're a couple weeks into it, right? Yeah. A couple weeks into the season. Uh, we just had like a scrimmage against, uh, Central Valley and Anderson. We did pretty well. I was very, very impressed with our boys. Uh, we did very well. And that a boy. Yeah, we did very well. And, uh, so this Saturday is a jamboree down in Sacramento. That'll be at all day. And, and, and then I got to come, Dude. then I got to come back, uh, up here and work the night shift. So, <laughs> so, you know, I'll be yelling. Aren't at, you doing school too? Yeah. Well, so I'm applying to schools. So school's done. Like I'm not, I'm not taking any classes. If I was taking a class right now or any type of school, I would, I'd be in a hole somewhere crying. So, so I, I'm feeling a theme starting for, for, for the podcast. Yeah. Are you? And, and well, 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 just maybe, maybe some questions. Sure. Because, Life gets busy. Oh my gosh. As evidenced by what you just laid out for, for everybody. Yeah. So how do we know if the busyness is worth it? And when we say this busyness is not worth it. Exactly. How, what do you do? What, what um, kind of filters do you put in place or, or kind of when do you know that busyness, that a certain type or level of busyness is just unsustainable, is not what you should be doing, is not where your priority should be. Right. So what, 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 what do you think when, when I ask you that? So for me, um, that's, that's a really good question because it's something I was thinking about. And it's actually being this busy has actually made me put aside things that are unimportant. So football, being a head coach of the football team has actually put aside things that have actually hindered me from progressing and learning. So for instance, like watching TV, I don't do that really anymore. Uh, I spend more time on my children, especially my son. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm uh, studying the gospel more because I'm, I'm constantly in that. I have to be doing something productive mode. And so that's what it's done for me. But there are now that being said, there are times where I'm like, dude, I need to break. Like, I'm like, ah, I can't do anymore. And I will take that time. And I think that's when I know, Hey, I need to chill out for a minute. But, um, I know that, being a head coach and teaching these kids these skills is 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 important and it's the right type of busyness. And so when I look back on like what I did before and what I was filling my life with before, I was like, well, that's the busyness that needs to go away. And I was actually able to supplement it with something better. And so sure. and so that's I mean that's what happened for me. So it actually has been an eye opener as like as like 
oh, I actually could take on more productive things if I got rid of the things that I now have gotten rid of because football has taken up so much of my time um, with the, and it, and it has replaced the time wasting stuff that it used to do, if that makes sense. Sure. No. Yeah. You know, I just, I ask it because uh, I think everybody, I think everybody listening, everybody, uh, so many people that I talk to, it's just like, we, oh, I'm, I'm just so busy. I'm so busy. What, what's going on? Yeah, we just got. We're just busy all the time. We got work. We got kids. We got schedules. We got school. We're 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 ramping up to get back into the school year. Right. And, and I just think, like, how uh, I, I I know I felt personally, man. There's not there's not a ton of time where I get to to kind of to be quiet. And, you know, when people say, Oh yeah, you, you know, you go, you go meditate or do anything like that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> when do, you have that when do time? people, yeah. when do people do this, 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 this stuff? And, you know, at, at the same time, even if I do find the time to do it, when I sit down, you know, my brain is still in that productivity or like, okay, I got to get this done. I got to get that done. Um, you know, when my head hits the pillow at night, I, I personally struggle with, with being able to turn my brain off at night and being able to not think about, and, and it's not always like when I have some big event coming up, sometimes it's just like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to wake up. I'm going to get my clothes. Oh, we, we didn't do laundry. Do I need to get up and, and make sure I have scrubs for tomorrow? Um, like tomorrow at work, what, what is my schedule going to look like when I get there? What is the first thing I'm going to do? And my brain is just constantly going, 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 going. And I feel like it's one of the symptoms for me personally that, man, I, I need to be intentional in making sure that I'm balancing busyness with, with other things that allow me to either decompress or to, um, I don't know, just think in a different way or to be enriched in another way. Cause I think, I think there's, (coughs) excuse me, there's, there's a lot of different quotes that are coming to mind, but one is, it was from the prophet Joseph Smith. And, um, he talked about how, um, you can't keep your bow strong. I can't remember exactly what oh, the quote yeah. is. He said, uh, he said, if a man keeps his bow constantly strung tight, he, it, he or it will lose its spring. Loses its spring. spring. Absolutely. Yeah. So if we're not able to figure out, um, whether, you know, in the business busyness, how we're able to alleviate some of that, um, or to find ways outside of that, that, that brings something back in, then man, I, I think we're seeing crazy amounts of that, uh, in the world as in burnout in just anxiety, stress, uh, panic attacks, all those kinds of things, because we, we are constantly saying, well, any time that I'm not doing something is wasted time. And, I think there's a, there's a delicate balance that, that we need to strike. No, I a hundred percent agree with that. You have to, like Joseph Smith said, you have to unwind your bow and uh, just relax, stretch out and take that time for yourself. And it is different for other people. I mean, for, for, you know, it's other uh, people unwind their bow in different ways. And um, 
I was kind of talking to, I was having a discussion with my dad about uh, religion and worshiping Christ. And, and I asked, you know, and, and one of the questions I always ask myself and have asked myself is, isn't the gospel, studying the gospel, isn't that supposed to bring peace and rest? Isn't that um, us unwinding, or I mean, unwinding my bow? Or is that too a stressful thing? And every time, you know, I study the scriptures, every time I take that time, that personal time to come to know who Christ is, I actually do feel that my bow is being unwound and I'm able to take and shoulder more. Um, and I think one of the things that really stood out to in, in one of these conversations and that kind of confirmed, you know, my thesis, I guess my hypothesis, if you will, about you know, studying the gospel and living in the scriptures is unwinding your bow because it brings peace. Russell M. Nelson said that, I think, last conference. He said the only way to true peace is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only way anybody can receive true peace. And so I have a um, a member of my family um, who is very... I guess he, the way, uh, let me let me take a step back. Is I guess it's more of this: the people worship or or worship in different ways, or at, or at or or <laughs> or at uh, different um, areas of worship and points of worship in their life. So, um, the example I'm thinking of is a person who um, thinks that they have to be so wound tight in a certain way. Um, because the gospel dictates that that's how they are, or that's their interpretation of, of the gospel. I mean, they think that, well, no, you have to be this way, you have to be staunch, you have to think this way. Like solemn and somber exactly. and and strict. and Right, and it's all about the letter of the law. It's about, you know, interpreting scripture literally and... Um, you know, and oftentimes, a, a lot of the time with that attitude, not only... Do they all like think, okay, this is what I, I want to do, but everybody around them has to be doing this, that too, or their misunderstanding exactly. who Christ was. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yes. They, they, they kind of, um, they, they expect that. I mean, if that's how you want to be in, that's how you feel like you're worshiping being solemn and somber and, and, you know, yeah. And they, like they're, but they're but to expect it of others right. is not necessarily no you because, know well it's because their interpretation is the only interpretation sure right? yeah and that's it's like well hold on or their way of worship is the only way of worship right and uh, the question is that that people I think that people th- should ask is what is worship and what does it look like what is true mm-hmm. worship of Jesus Christ look like right and so. For me and what I've come to and where I'm at in my worship with Christ, as I've gotten to really know Christ and I study the scriptures, and uh, as I as I try to feel and be in tune with the Holy the Holy Ghost, the I think the true worship worshiper or disciple of Jesus Christ, it's a total um, introspective perspective. You begin to. Um, look with inside yourself and see flaws and character flaws that you that you measure 
against Christ. Because the Holy Ghost will whisper to you, because the, what the gospel of Jesus Christ does is it cha- is it's supposed to morph you into a being just like Christ, having his image engraven upon our count our on our on our countenances as a language in the scriptures that kind of uh, reflects my point here. It's when we really study the gospel of Jesus Christ and we do it with real intent and we try to come to know Christ, we begin to strip away those things in our life that are flaws that are um, keeping that are keeping us from becoming more like him and we we begin to desire not our will as we worship try to worship christ and and as we study his character but we begin to want to know how to adopt the character of christ and his attributes and I think that's the true, that's how you can tell somebody is really trying to uh, worship and study the Savior is by them changing and morphing into a more Christ-like person and not this, you know, staunch, my, it's either my way or the highway because that's not who, That's. I mean, that's not what the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's not the the design of it that's a, a to me it's a misinterpretation of the well gospel. and i don't ne- even necessarily have a problem if somebody wants to be somber and quiet and serious and um you know if if that's if that's i, I think there's a lot of different flavors as far as worship goes but i think that there are ways um in which humor can be worship. Um, I think of some of the, the really funny things that I've heard um, in, in like general conference from prophets and apostles. I think God has a great sense of humor and he knows how to do it perfectly. I think a lot of humor um, in today's world is always at somebody else's expense. And I think God knows how to, to navigate humor in a way that, isn't targeting somebody isn't isn't um you know belittling somebody uh i think there's there's a lot that can be done in a lot of different personalities because there's a lot of different people that i admire and respect and some of them are more serious more somber um and i said and i can tell that they're trying to change and grow and learn but there's also people who are really kind of light and and kind of the um, kind of the life of the party or, sure. or, or things like that who are also doing kind of the same thing. Um, I think about times where I went to like youth conferences or kind of EFY type things um, where those people, those uh, extroverted, like less, less talk, less have fun, less, less enjoy life. Like, that was as much worship to me as somebody who is, you know, quiet, somber, reciting scripture, getting in deep, like theological conversation. You know, to me, there's room under the umbrella of worship because I really think that Christ, um, not only was he teaching people how to get to eternal life, but he was also teaching people, I believe, to have joy in this life. Absolutely. I, th- I think, no, but there's going to be different personalities throughout the the world that, you know, there's going to be, the, like you said, the somber, um, 
more uptight and that's uh personality there's going to be the fun loving caring personality absolutely i mean in the the as you read the the uh the four gospels the 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 character of the apostles can be um seen or or i guess um observed through the text of of you know Matthew Mark Luke John you can tell that there's different personalities there within the quorum of the 12 um uh, back in the ancient times but i think what i'm i what i'm trying to say is that when these when your worship is is focused solely on um, the ceremony when it's focused solely on uh, the words, hmm. uh, you know, when your faith is not really in Jesus Christ, it's in the culture of the religion or the culture or the um, or the literal text in the scriptures on the words and not the interpretation or what, what is, or not what Christ is trying to teach you between the between the words in the scriptures uh, and isn't that why personal revelation is so important exactly yeah Be- because you fold if because if you hold on to that right if you hold on to the the literal words or the ceremony mm-hmm. uh, and and the the culture of religion when when tribulation comes that your faith is in the wrong thing and it's going to crumble you're not going to, and that, I mean, I have personal experience with that with an individual uh, who I'm, who I've been close with. And as soon as they were tempted with something, boom, they crumbled because that's their interpretation of religion was to focus solely on the worship of the literal ceremony and, and things and words, you know, inside the scriptures and inside the, the religion. It wasn't about Jesus. No, absolutely. And, and at that point it becomes the checklist. It becomes the, the, um, the oral law surrounding the written law. It becomes, you know, well, this is what I, what I think. So everybody should live it this way. Um, but the the gospel is so much more organic than that. Yes, yeah. And you know, we we have the plan of salvation, which ca- kind of gives the general plan that everybody will go through. But um, you know, I taught with um, uh, a man in in seminary. We were team teachers, and I sat in on one of his lessons, and he said, you know, there's the the big P plan of salvation, but there's also small P plans of salvation because your plan of salvation and my plan of salvation are, are going to be different. Um, each of our roads back to our father in heaven, um, you know, there's, there's similarities, but there's not sameness. They're not all going to be exactly the same. We're not all going to have the, ex- the same experiences. We all will go through and receive covenants. We will all make promises. We will all strive, but, um, you know, if we, if we put our belief in, in quote unquote, the law of Moses, and then the law of Moses is fulfilled and changed, if that's what we're holding on to, and we stick with that after things have changed, we're going to get left behind. We're going to, we're, we're going to, um, we're going to kind of miss the mark. Um, so the gospel is just such a, such a living and organic thing that we can, 
we can gain that understanding if we have the spirit to help us understand those shifts and to understand and, and to follow, to hear what the leaders are, our spiritual leaders are saying, and then to pray and receive our own witness of the things that they're saying so that we have that kind of check and balance between, um, going after a, a false leader or a false prophet and, or becoming one ourselves and going after, you know, whatever I'm, what I, whatever my whim is, if my whim isn't, isn't what the prophets and apostles are saying, then, you know, I better, I better do some soul searching. I better do some, do take the steps to receive revelation and to probably get correction and say, you know what? Yep. You were wrong. You, you need to, you need to shift some stuff. You need to change some things. And that's the hardest part about, you know, this, I mean, the hardest part about worship is the humility. And because, I mean, you can't really truly worship Christ without recognizing or or submitting that he is all-knowing and all-powerful and he knows everything and that you or yourself, and you know, my, I'm going to be wrong about th- certain things. I have to be willing to change. I have to be willing to be molded by him um, and be be able to receive that revelation so that I can um, make those changes that are needed for me to follow my little, my little, you know, my, my little plan of salvation, like you said, because like, I agree with that entirely that we all have little paths uh, or we have our own specific paths that lead back to Christ. And there's obviously, like you said, there's there's going to be those general things that we all have to do in order to get to um, the celestial kingdom. Obviously, um, you know, partaking in the ordinances of the gospel, you know, the, the baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and going to the temple and and doing all those things. Um, but as far as the tribulations that we must endure and the the trials, the uh, experiences that life has to throw at us, those are all going to be very specifically uh, different for each individual and how we interpret those things. They're designed to mold us and to get us where Christ and Heavenly Father need us to be, which is um, eventually to become just like them. And we have to have that ability to be molded and, and to be humble and to admit, hey, we're wrong, because that really, to me, is true worship. If you really want to worship Christ, if you really want to uh, you know, take this path of dis- discipleship seriously, then you have to be able to say, yeah, I am wrong and I need to align myself with what, you know, I am learning uh, from the Holy Ghost, what I am learning in the scriptures, what Christ requires, what truth requires. I must uh, change and, and fit that mold that Christ is trying to mold me into. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. It's like, but that's the hardest thing, man. And then, that, and then like, and it's, and life is such a puzzle because, we don't have all the answers and that's part of the test. And that's the generality that everyone shares that we can all share. We don't have the answers. We sometimes don't know what we're even doing. We're like, we, sometimes we, for, we lose, you know, we lose sight of the importance of, of our lives and why we are even here. Some people are still don't know why they're here and they, they're asking that question on a daily basis. Why are we here? What's what's the whole point of this? I mean, you and me have been lucky enough 
to, you know, have that, uh, that answer that uh that answer you know pretty much given to us through the teachings of the church uh you know we're here to to be tested to be tried um to see if we will do what heavenly father and christ ask us to do and it's there's some there's simplicity in that answer but there's some complex things in there that as as you study the the purpose of life uh you can go pretty deep down some rabbit holes and, and finding out who you really are and how important you are and uh, what, what the future holds for you. If you stay true to um, that path of discipleship that we've been talking about. You said something interesting there about, about getting answers. And one thing that I think is really, really interesting is actually would you pause for a second i i want to go grab something yeah let me pause you said something really interesting about um getting answers i was listening to a podcast um with Brene brown because i love her um and she was interviewing um father richard Rohr. so he was they were they were talking a lot about spirituality um and, and just said some really interesting things to me um, because a lot of the time, if we don't feel like we can fill in an answer to something we don't know, um, you know, we, a lot of the time, I think we just make something up. Um, and he, he, he said this, and I thought it was really profound. He said, we worship workability, predictability and answers it takes away a natural humility we make uh, it takes away a natural humility we make an artificial world of knowing so what's really interesting to me is faith is um, something we hope for something that's not seen um, and i think there's a lot of examples that pe- uh, of people who kept moving forward despite not knowing and I think that is um, one thing that I that I find for myself is like I, I feel like I am one of those people that tries to fill in and maybe even logically think through this or that aspect of of faith or spirituality or the gospel of Jesus Christ when I can I can move forward knowing you know what I don't know the answer to that but right now that's not important. Or, or the answer will come at some point. Um, I don't need to make up something right now to comfort myself in order to move forward. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah. Because I feel like I I may not have like the complete grip on it. No, because I, everybody, I think everyone does that because they don't want a gap in knowledge. I think people, we, we get embarrassed. We, we feel like, well, oh, I should, I should, well, I should know. Or, well, or people are going to see field. me as, it's people good. will see me as faithless if I, if I am not able to say something right now. Right. But, the, but it also, people feel unsafe when there's a gap in their faith. Because, For sure. Because if there's a gap in their faith, or there's a gap, or, or they don't know something. Not saying there's a gap in their faith, but say there's a question and they don't know the answer to it, and so they try to, before 
um, before they've received the answer or even study the answer, they start to uh, rationalize an answer or put in log- a logical answer. And so if someone were to ask them that question and they don't know the answer and they, they're sitting there and they're stunned, right? And I think this happens so many times and this is maybe some of the reason why people fall away from their faith is because, well, I couldn't answer that question. I shouldn't know all these things. And that means, so So if I don't have the answer to every little question, then that must mean my faith is wrong or it's it's not true. And so, which is completely ridiculous because if you look at, you know, even science and, and medicine and, I mean, every every aspect of life, things don't always have an answer. And when people try to um, fabricate one just to have something placed there, a lot of the times disasters happen when they say, well, let's just do this for right now. And then when they come up with a solution to a, a, a pretty serious problem that hasn't been tested or researched, there could be disastrous consequences to that. And so it's the same thing with your faith. You know, when you're with your faith and what you're saying is, you know, when we don't have an answer to a question and we fabricate one, we put it there, but then it later gets obliterated. And you're like, oh, I thought it was this. So I think my whole religion's out the window now or my whole faith is out the window now. I think it's very true what you're saying. It, it takes courage to say, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question right now, but I do know. And you fall back on the truths that you do know. You say, I do know this, this, and this. Just because I don't know one thing or two things, whatever it may be, doesn't mean that, you know, my faith has been for nothing. I just need, means I can study more, receive more revelation, and to find an answer that is uh, the right answer or one that's, you know, the truth. You know, and that's what, that's what really frustrates me about a lot of, especially when, when things get into, um, kind of a political realm or w- when people get kind of in debate mode or, or argumentative mode, you know, my real problem with a lot of it is, you know, there is an, there is an answer, but so much of the time it doesn't seem like people want to get to the answer. They want to convince the the other person that they're right. You know, whatever problem you want to you want to throw out there, whether it's it's guns or abortion or uh, feeding hungry or health care, whatever the, the issue that is brought up to me, there's always an answer. And so much of the time it says, well, it's either this or that. And so much of the time we get people dig in their heels so much that there, there can be no concession made at all. When a lot of the time I feel like we're, we're not even focusing on the right part of the issue. And, and when we dig in and we say, no, I'm right. And we don't say, you know, there is an answer. There is an answer out there. I just don't know it yet. Well, yeah. And that's to me what, what study does. That's what research does. That's what learning does. That's what trying to expand our mind and to, that have that humility being able to myself say, 
you know, I don't know, but I am, I am willing and open to listen to others experience. I'm willing and open to listen to others ideas. I'm willing to, to stick around in this process. And I think a lot of the time that's what's lost is when, especially when we do get into those, those hard conversations, a lot of the time the person goes, Oh, well, if you just did this, it would be fine. Um, when (laughs) they haven't even taken the time to understand where the other person is coming from or what they're experiencing and things like that. And so, um, I I myself get really frustrated because I, I know whatever problems out there, whatever question, every question out there has an answer to it just because we can't answer it right now doesn't mean there's not an answer. We just, we, we don't, we don't know the steps to get there yet. And so I I think that gives me a lot of comfort, um, especially when, uh, with what I have learned of my father in heaven, what I know of Jesus Christ, I know they have a lot of answers that they could give me, but I'm either not ready right now, or I haven't done the spiritual work or, or the physical work, whatever the case may be to get that answer, to understand it, to know it. Um, but I believe all of us, as we progress, we'll get more and more light and knowledge. And I think that's, that, that's the pattern in my mind. No, I, that's like, that is the pattern for receiving I think for, I mean, it is the pattern for receiving revelation because it takes humility, but it also takes that ability to um, say, I don't know, but I'm going to stick with this problem and figure it out and being open to other suggestions as well. Because like you said, that is one of the biggest things with politics and the government right now is that they just want to be right. It's their side that wants to be right. And it seems like, and it, it feels like, they refuse to work together on issues. They, oh man, it's the most frustrating thing. Right, I'm so frustrated because it's not a pursuit. It's no longer a pursuit of truth or the pursuit of what's right. It's about it's the pursuit of who's right, and it's like, no, that's not your personal opinions and your personal beliefs have nothing to do with the truth. The truth is unbiased. Has nothing to do with you know how you operate from day to day it's you have to pursue the truth and and try to find the truth you can't make up the truth you can't make up the correct solution or the correct answer you have to find it because like you said it's out there but it takes that study and that patience and that humility and that ability to say yeah i don't know the answer to that question and not try to put in a a placeholder just to appease your ego and appease you know the the situation in that very moment, we have to be okay with saying, I don't know. Because I think we should all be working from the assumption that, that we want what's best. Like no matter what, like that, that's what gets me frustrated about a lot of the conversations in our country is like, people think that, Oh, well, that person just wants to see the country fail and they're trying to destroy everything. And, if that's really like we're we're at a pretty bleak place if if we're painting the picture of somebody that believes differently as us as trying to destroy everything that that we believe that we hold dear and i and i really think that's a, that's a that's a bad thing if we can't restore the humanity and restore like you know we all want this world to be a better place 
like that should be pretty close to unanimous. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah exactly. Like, <laughs> like no matter where you're from, like what you think, like all of us want this world to be a better place. And we, if we take that even, uh, uh, you know, take, we pan out from that, you know, our father in heaven just wants us all to return to live with him. Like we all want the same thing. We all want peace. We all want harmony. We all want good things to be happening. So what, what is the disconnect from, from that to what happens in, in, in this, in day-to-day life? Like you said, it's the way we look at each other. I mean, that's because if you looked at everybody like, like our, you know, like, oh, they want what's best for the world. They want what's best for humanity. They want what's best for me. If you looked at everybody in that way, and then you would be more capable of coming to or 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 of working with that person to come up with a solution to a problem. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because if you, like, that's that perspective. It's that perspective upon each other. Oh, no, they just, they, they, they just want what's best for them. They just, and it's like, I get that that's probably true for some people, but if you look at the world that way and you look at society that way and individuals that way, then you're, the way you interact with the world is going to be negative and then there's only mm-hmm. going to be negative outcomes. Yeah, and you're going to feel justified in it, I think, yeah. is is a big part of the problem. You're going to feel like, well, I can do this because they're trying to destroy all the, all the right things, the things that I believe in. Exactly. So, you know, I can, I can treat them however, like, you know, and that's just not the case. Like we, we just have to, we have to be able to look at one another, to see one another. Um, let me pull up really quick. We, you know, we, uh, a few episodes ago, we put on, um, Brother Anthony Sweats, uh, right. we need an endowment talk. Yeah, we still have to um, do part three. We're, we still have to do part three. Um, we'll we'll get it to you because it was so good. But let me just uh, pull up a part that that he talked about here. Um, this is Joseph Smith talking to the Quorum of the Twelve. He said, "Do not watch for iniquity in each other. If you do, you will not get an endowment." for God will not bestow it on such. And so I think we really lose out on any kind of power to create harmony and peace and, and things in this world that, that, um, that allow us to connect with one another because we are looking for, Oh, well there's that character flaw in that person or that person just loves sinning or that person, you know, we, we are so uh, attuned to that and so attuned to the comparison. And we start to think, well, I'm so much better than them or they're so much worse than me, or I'm so much worse than them. They're so much better than me. And we get caught in this pride game where we, we are um, doing this constantly and I think when we do that, we we lose power from heaven. We lose that ability to to create Zion. That we, we've talked about that a ton on this podcast. We've talked about Zion and the concept. And that's why, you know, I, I think there's this debate about, oh, is it an individual responsibility or is it a collective effort? And the answer is both. 
Yeah, it is. Like it's a it's a cycle, just just like the the water cycle we learn about in science, just about like the cycle of growing food and plants and a lot of those things going back into the soil and and creating the next generation of plants that are coming out of the ground. Like it's a cycle for all of us. We we go out into society, we take we take what's out there and internalize it and then our actions changed based on that that thing. So if we're in an environment that is good and we start internalizing those good things, we start to, and we're working on ourselves, we start to put the good back into the world. But if we're going into the world and we're in, in this bad environment and we're looking for the bad and we internalize the bad, then we start putting out bad actions back and we start to say, well, nobody else cares. So why should I care? We start to say, you know, everybody's taking whatever for themselves. So I'm going to, I'm going to do what's right for me and mine. And so I think we need to understand that cyclical relationship that and we, we've had this conversation too, you know, nobody does it on their own, but we also have individual responsibility. And I think too often we, we, we say one or the other, and it's really both. And if it's not both, we're going to, we're going to have a lot of struggles, a lot of growing pains, a lot of, uh, a lot of breakdown. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so much with that because in, in second Nephi, I think it's towards the Isaiah chapters or towards the end of Second Nephi in the Book of Mormon. It talks about in the last days how Satan will be bound. And I think people were under the, or maybe some people aren't, but, you know, when I read this uh, in Second Nephi, it talks about that the people and how they interact and how they live, it will actually bind Satan. It's because they choose, the people are choosing at that time not to partake in that evil that you're talking about, that pride cycle, that um, that um, kind of competitive um, competitive culture, I guess you could say, where I'm better than you, she's better than me, whatever. They all live in harmony and peace with one another. They created a Zion, and Lucifer has no power over them during this time. This is that during that thousand years of peace. Um. um before Christ, or, um, yeah, before Christ comes. And it's because the actions of the people who are living on this earth at that time. And if you think about that, you think about how um, if we all chose to view each other as children of God and we all chose to live in a way that would not allow evil to creep in we would be able to create that wonderful atmosphere that of zion truth would be bursting forward every day we would be able to be humble and be able to accept the the truth and be molded into disciples of jesus christ but it it's funny that people sometimes feel that they don't have power to do that. They feel that they're just so, you know, um, enable because they feel that all these external things are forcing them to be a certain way. And when in reality, the power has been given to us from the very beginning 
And that power is choice, the power to choose whether or not we're going to um, act or not act. And so if we choose and we use that power of agency, as we call it in the church, as we use it to you know, view others um, as children of God and as brothers and sisters, I think we begin to shift culture. We begin to start to build that um, unity, that, 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 that peace that needs to be here in order for problems to be solved and in order for Satan to be bound. Um, it's all up to us and our choices in that as we go about our daily lives, we need to realize that if we choose to go about, you know, every day, not with Christ or trying to understand who he is and trying to uh, emulate him. And by emulating him, we need to obviously try to learn how he uh, acted and how he perceived the world and how he perceived us and, understand his attributes. If we don't do that, then we're not going to be able to um, use our agency to, to bind Satan, if you will. So there's, there's something you said in there that uh, I I think is a great thought experiment. Like if we saw each other as children of God and I, and I, I think to myself, like, if that was if that was just ever present in every single one of our minds, how much better would would the world be? And so I think it'd be good uh, a good homework assignment for the foxes have holes listeners to just go throughout a day and everybody you you interact with just say in your mind, that's a child of God. Like no matter what the interaction is like, good, bad, neutral like just passing by just being able to like continually in your mind to say that, like that is a child of our heavenly father. Yeah. And if we were able to do that and keep that perspective, man, would we talk to each other different? I think yeah. would we interact with each other different? And yeah. And because instead of having that judge, like, you know, react instead of reacting, try just acting. You know, I think that's one thing that is is one of the biggest problems with society is we just we are a re, we are a reactive society and not a proactive society. Um, we have to be proactive in our thoughts, no matter what happens, no matter you know how people treat us. We need to, like you said, no, they're a child of God, and we need to treat them with respect, regardless of how that other person is is treating me. And so I think you're, that's a, that'd be a great homework experiment is we just go about, no, look at each person before we even interact with them, say, that's a child of God. And I think you're right. That's going to change. That's going to change our day a lot. It's going to make us feel, I think, a whole lot better, no matter, uh, no matter, you know, what people do to us or say to us. I'm committed. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for at at least a day. And, you know, I, I hope that I can can keep it, but for at least a day, every single person I interact with, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that in my mind to myself. This is a child of God. That is a child of God. Yeah, next week, man. Next week when we come back, we should do that. We should Let's report do it. we should report on it. 
All right. All right, man. Hey, we're going to have a guest, I think, next week. And uh, we'll report back on our homework assignments. Uh, but until then, have a good one. This is Foxes Have Old. 